Greetings, everybody. Today we are continuing our series, Wherein I Am Going, verse by verse through most of 1 Corinthians 15. And we're going to talk about what the gospel of Paul was, what he actually believed. Now, in last week's message, I have spoken on 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1, and we saw that the gospel was basically, and this is what I emphasized from Siren and also Strong's, that the gospel is the good news of the kingdom. And what Paul is referring to here when he talks about the gospel is something that he has in mind, which is not just good news, but it's good news of the rulership of God through Christ in the earth. The word gospel, according to Paul, was not the message of how you can go to heaven. But the gospel that Paul talked about was the good news that death and whatever effect death would have in the earth has been conquered by God in the man, Jesus Christ, And that this Jesus has now been given dominion and rule and that he should and that everything should be put under his feet. What that means is that the rulership that he has and what he has attained in his resurrection and what God has attained through raising Jesus from the dead, that the effect of that would flood the earth. That is the gospel that Paul had in mind, the good news that even bodily death is conquered. In other words, sin and death is conquered and that we are now under a new man, the resurrected Christ, and not the dying man which was introduced in Adam, but that we are under the new man, the immortal man, Jesus, and that he's got his effect on our lives. Now, I would advise you to go and listen to last week's message again. Just go there to 1 Corinthians 15, part 1. This is now part 2, and we're going to have many parts explaining what Paul uh, said here. Now, Paul connected the gospel with the gospel of this kingdom with the bodily resurrection of Jesus. Now, today we're going to talk about how important it is to believe this truth. And we're going to touch on a very uh, complex matter, and that is the matter of salvation. How does salvation work? Basically, who is saved? Can you lose your salvation? And so forth. And we're going to, I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 and 2, and we're going to especially look at verse 2. It says, Moreover, brethren, this is now verse 1, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also have been you have received and wherein you stand, by which you are saved, if you keep in memory, which I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. Now, last week we have seen that the word receive means to basically take unto yourself or to have yourself associated with a certain truth. That is how you receive something. It basically means to make it personal. So when Jesus died, when you can say, that death is also my death, the resurrection is also 
my resurrection. So we see here clearly that Paul says you have received the gospel. You are standing in the gospel. I have preached it to you. You have believed upon it. And then in verse 2 he comes and he says something that is shocking to many of us and that brings a lot of fear to us. And he basically says here that we are saved by this gospel if we keep in memory what I preached unto you unless you have believed in vain. Now, the first point we're going to look at there is the part where it says, by which we are saved. We are saved, and you can follow in your notes. I just want to make this uh, 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 announcement. I forgot to say this before the service. If you want the notes for the service, uh, before the service, please write to us to info at dynamicministries.com and just request it, and we will send it to you every Thursday. And then you can follow in the notes. It says, and I wrote here, by which we are saved through faith, we are saved by the gospel, the resurrection of Jesus, as we have trust in it. By grace are we saved through faith, and we see that in Ephesians 2 verse 8. Um, as many as believe shall be saved. John three sixteen. the very words of Jesus recorded by John, that those who believe shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So we see that belief is a very important uh, 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 aspect of salvation. We're not saved by our faith. We are saved, let me put it this way, we're not saved by our persuasion. Our persuasion is not our Savior or the power to be persuaded or uh, the human ability to be persuaded of something. That is not what saves us. The gospel is what saves us. And what Paul is talking about is the resurrection the resurrection of Jesus, this, uh, the fact that Jesus is the Lord and that he has the rule over sin and death, that is what saves us. But what it also says here is this works and manifests in those that believe upon this truth. Uh, and that brings a thing in our lives where we so many times live with fear. Do I have enough faith? Do I believe strong enough? Is, is, is there enough faith in my heart? Now, the moment you ask those questions, you are already thinking that amount of persuasion or how strongly you persuade of something, that salvation is in that, on how deeply you're persuaded. No, salvation is not in how deeply you persuade about something, but actually in what you are persuaded of. So salvation is by the gospel. And this is what Paul is saying here. Um, and I'm going to explain to you what is, because there's, there's a deeper thing in this passage. He says, by which we are saved. We are saved by the gospel. We're not saved by our works. We are saved by the announcement or by the truth which we can announce, which is that Jesus is raised from the dead bodily and that we can now also be saved from sin and death. Now, when we look at the word saved there, I didn't put that in the notes. I'm just going to. Um, quickly mention it here when we look at the word saved the word saved means to be kept safe or also to deliver so what it's saying is is that God can save you or we are saved by the gospel we are kept safe from something else so there's something that wants to kill man 
There's something that wants to destroy your life. And we are kept safe from destruction or death by God as we are believing on Jesus Christ. Now that might bring the question, why does God only protect the believer? What is it with God? Why, if he has the ability to protect all people, why doesn't he just protect all people? Why just the believer? Why is he only having his protection over the believer and not um, over all people? And that's a big question that a lot of atheists have, a lot of people that turn away from Jesus Christ. And the answer to that is what I'm going to focus on today. Uh, we're going to talk about how faith basically works. But as a foundation, I want you to know that to the Apostle Paul, believing this truth is crucial. And he's coming in and he's pointing out and he says here, My brethren, I declared unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. I have not changed the message. You've already received this. You've already associated with this. You've already seen yourself as part of this. You are already standing in this. Now what he's actually trying to say to them is there is no need to change what you believe. And the context is Paul preached to them other believers or other preachers, Greek influence, the Sadducees and all those people came and they would preach a message and then the believers would start to be deceived and believe something else. And what Paul is actually saying is, if you start to believe all these other things, it's going to ruin your life. He's actually going so far as to say that um, you could have believed in vain meaning that the first time you believe that that will have no more effect on you, that Christ would have an effect on you, but that as you've changed your belief, you would now find that Christ has no more effect on you and that your life can be destroyed. That it would basic, basically be as good as if you've never believed in Jesus. That is what Paul is, Paul is saying here. And I think you will also understand now why I am so focused on the message of the resurrection, that we believe it and that we continue to believe it. Many of us, when we first believed in Jesus, we believed that he died and that he rose again and we call upon him for salvation. And that's where we started. And we experienced great power from that, although we did not understand the depths of it and exactly what it means. But as we have believed upon that and got involved in reading the Bible without understanding and in different churches with different doctrines, we found that our belief was changed into a very legalistic, law-based message which we can testify. Many of us who've been under the law and then got into the grace message we can testify that under the law, we were depressed. We had lives that was not good. We felt overburdened with all the practicalities of religion, and we actually didn't have a life. In my case, I, I had it so bad that I basically said that I was happier when I was unsaved or before I believed in the Lord than 
when I was believing in the Lord, but believing wrong things about God, being under the law. And this is what Paul is talking about. And as an introduction, I want you to look back at your personal experience wherein you received the Lord, after you've received the Lord, and this is the testimony of many people, they became legalistic and they lost their lives. They had a, they had a life in the world and they believed upon the Lord. They were greatly empowered unto a brand new life as they first believed upon the Lord. But as their belief got into uh, all the different church doctrines and teachings, which is not in line with a simple message of the gospel, the very life you had was lost. The life you had was lost, and there was no experience anymore of the life of God and the peace of God manifesting in your life. You were not kept safe from the very things that were harassing you prior to your salvation. And that's what many churches then call to backslide or basically to fall back into where you've been. We're going to look at at that today from the perspective of God's grace and the goodness of God. So Paul comes and he says, I'm declaring the gospel to you again. And it's not a message that has changed. It's something that you are familiar with. It's something that is that, that you've already accepted and believed upon in, and you've seen the fruit of it. But I want you to continue in that message. And he's now going to preach the gospel to them. Because if you change from that message, your life is going to be destroyed. Now that sounds like, oh, I don't want that. It's all about my power to just believe the right thing and all. This is actually very simple. All you need to believe is that Jesus died and that he rose again and that what God has promised to bring forth in Jesus, that he will bring forth that forth in your life and then you rest in that. Don't add teachings of sowing, reaping, tithing, going to church to get a blessing, submitting to the leader to have an anointing, uh, have 20 people lay hands on you to try and get another gift or a this or a that, or have all these different add-ons. Don't have that. And this is what has happened in, 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 in the people with Corinth. I believe, and this is my opinion, that the message of the Sadducees came in there, which said that there is no resurrection. And these people start to believe in Jesus, uh, but without the promise that there will be a bodily resurrection of themselves. And Paul says that would be calling falling away from the very gospel, and that would leave you without the life of God. Okay, I want to go and... Um, just go to the, you can go to the notes, Galatians 3 there. We're going to look at Galatians 3 verse 1 uh, to 3 and then also verse 10 to 12. And then we're going to go to Galatians 5 and we will be looking at verse 1 to 6 and then 15 to 25. And um, this will really help you understand what Paul said. Now, before we get into these passages, I'm going to tell you what they say. This is what Paul tries to say in the following passages. He's trying to say to people that God is not basically deciding who he's going to save should they believe or not. But that salvation is something that God has given to all 
But through faith, we are using what God has given to all. So it's not for God to decide who he will save. It is for man to partake on what God has already decided and given unto all people. Galatians 3 verse 1, he says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you? This only would I learn from you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, that you are now made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it yet be in vain? You see, Paul's also talking about this vain thing, you know. He says, I don't want you to believe in vain. 1 Corinthians 15. Here he says, if you begin in the Spirit and you want to end in the law, then you would have believed in vain. He says, if it was only in vain. What he means by that is, if I was only wrong about what I believed, then you could have at least moved on to some truth. But now you are busy with the truth and you've moved away from the truth. And what would that mean? That would mean that you are now under a power that is going to destroy your life. It says here in verse 10, For as many as are of the works of the law, they are under the curse. For it's written, Curses every man or everyone that continues not in all the things which is written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall have immortality or live by faith or the faithfulness of God, and us also being faithful to the fact that God said, I'm going to be faithful to you, you rest now. So we must be faithful to the message of God will be faithful to us, and we don't have to be faithful to, the, faithful to him by the works of the law. I hope you hear what, what Paul is trying to communicate here. He says, and the law is not of faith, but the man that does them shall live by them. So what is he saying basically? He says, you started by believing in the resurrection, the spirit that raised Christ from the dead, and by that spirit, fruit was seen in your life. So why do you now say, I want perfection or immortality by the works of the law? He says, can you not see that should you do that, meaning you start to believe something different now, that you will be under the curse. Now, Jesus did become a curse for us, and he conquered sin and death, and he offers now his rulership to all people, so that people don't have to live by the, their works anymore, but they can basically simply just live by reliance upon God. But even if Jesus has died for you and was risen from the dead, if you refuse to believe that or believe something different, even if you have believed the truth, you will find that the life you live is connected to what you believe. And that's why Paul, in 1 Corinthians 15, is so adamant on having the people believe the true gospel. Now, next week, we're going to go much more into what this gospel is. This week, I want us to see the importance of believing the right thing. This is what today's message is about. That's verse 2. 
It's all about the importance of knowing that when you believe the correct thing, your life is shaped by the thing that you believe in. Should you believe in a lie, your life would be shaped by the lie. Should you believe in the truth, your life should be, will be shaped by the truth. Not because God decides to shape your life when you believe, but because of the dynamics of the human heart, which we're going to get into today as well. So we find in Galatians 3, he says to them, you started in the spirit. Do you now want to be made perfect in the flesh? He says, if you've started in the spirit and want to be made perfect in the flesh, you were even persecuted for the gospel for no reason because you are losing the very thing you were standing for. Now, you might differ from me and say, Bertie, I don't agree with you. Do you want to tell me that we can basically lose the salvation that God is giving towards us when we start to believe a lie? Well, you can answer that for yourself experientially. When you believed in Jesus, when you first got saved, were you very happy? You answer. And then when you started to believe the law, did you lose that joy? Now, you were saved unto the joy of God. You were saved from uh, bitterness and hatred and everything, so many things that you were saved from, and you experienced salvation from it. But when you started to believe in works righteousness and a wrong, uh, had a wrong belief, what happened to your life? You basically lost your life. Now, this passage, which I have not in here, but I'm going to read it quickly to you, and this is... Uh, the experiential knowledge of the Apostle Paul, and we're going to go to Romans 7. Romans 7. It says here, Know ye, brethren, I speak to them that know the law, how that the law has dominion over a man as long as what he lives. For the woman which has an husband is bound to the law by her husband so long as what he lives. But if the husband dies, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband lives, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if the husband dies and she, she is free from that law so that she is no more adulterous, though she be married to another man. Verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. No, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, You shall not lust. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence or lust, for without the law sin was dead. Verse 9. For I was alive without the law once. Paul's talking about himself. He says, I was alive without the law once. What is he talking about? He's talking about what he is warning the people in Galatia against. He says, you started in the spirit. Now you want to be perfected by the works of the law. He says, don't you know that those who are under the law are under the curse? And now you want to go back to legalism and law. What is he saying? You'll go back to the cursed life. By not remaining in the grace, which is the message of the resurrection. He says here, when I went back to the law, he says, I was alive without the law once. 
But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. So what is Paul saying? Paul is saying, I believe the truth. The truth brought life to me. But when I started to believe that I'm justified by my own flesh or by my own works, I found that the life I used to have, which was God's life in me, I parted from that life and I started to die. That's what he's saying. That is Paul's experiential knowledge. I've got that experiential knowledge and I'm very sure that even if you are not agreeing with what I'm saying today, you have the same experiential knowledge wherein you believed in the truth, then you believed in the lie, and as you believed in the lie, you found the fruit of the lie in your life. And what Paul is saying is, basically, you, when you're not believing in the, in the true gospel, you are falling from the very influential power of eternal life on your life. That is what he is saying. And that's why it's important to believe the truth. That's why it's important for preachers when you read the Bible, to study it and have an open heart from the perspective of God, I want to preach your truth and I want to radically stay at the truth, which is the simple message of the resurrection and that Jesus is Lord, the gospel of the kingdom, which I spoke about last Sunday and the Sunday before. Let's go to Galatians 5.1. It says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again into the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if you be circumcised, now you can underline that in the notes there, if you be circumcised, now too easy, too easy talking here. He's talking to the believer. And he says, Christ shall, shall profit you nothing. Can you see it? Let's read verse 2. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if you be circumcised, going back to the law, Christ shall profit you nothing. So it's not that Christ is not there. It is what he is giving continually does not have an effect on you. And we're going to look at this psychologically as well and read some definitions um, about medical beliefs and uh, from the psychologist website and so forth and explain to you how this practically works. But what we see here is, the fact is, the moment we believe the lie, the truth has no effect on us anymore. But it's the other way around as well. The moment you believe the truth, the lie has no effect on you. Amen. It says, For I testify again to every man that is circumcised, that is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect. Christ has become of no effect unto you. That is verse 3 there. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace or the influence of God. I want to say, can anybody fall from grace? Well, Paul believed that. Remember what I said last week. We have to be at a place where we at least know what the apostle Paul believed. It goes on, it says here. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. So he says, we through the very Spirit of God, the life of God, wait for what God has promised. We cannot now get out of our rest, go back into the law, and don't believe the truth. Now, I do, I do believe that Galatians 5 doesn't 
fully connect to 1 Corinthians 15, the fact that here he's talking about people seeking basically what Christ has promised by going back to the law. But in 1 Corinthians 15, they are basically going to something even worse, which is they don't even believe in a bodily resurrection. They're not believing in the kingdom of God upon the earth where the goal is not heaven or uh, what Plutarch and these people believed, but where the goal is Jesus manifesting his kingdom where we are subjects of the kingdom and under his rule where he rules with life in our lives where he rules with goodness in our life where he rules with the fruit of the spirit in our lives verse 16 um, it says I say unto you walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh now this is very important for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary to one another, so that you cannot do the things which you want. And that's exactly Romans 7 there. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. Now listen to this. What Paul is basically saying is this. Under trust in Christ, Christ rules with holiness in your life. And he actually delivers you from what destroys you. I've seen that in the lives of so many people as they start to believe upon the Lord. We've had a lady yesterday testify in our church that struggled with anorexia. Um, she, I mean, she weighed 37 kilograms. I don't know how many pounds, but that is, what's it, 75 pounds or something like that. She was at the brink of death. And when she believed the good news, I mean, I don't want to say just that second. There was a time as a heart were getting into the good news, studying this. And over a period of time, one day, something happened. So over a period of time, one day, something happened. And she was set free. Glory to God. That is, And she lived free from that problem for, I, I mean, she got back to 125 pounds or something. She was looking good and everything was fine and everything. And that is what happens through the influential power of God by her testifying that she was not trying to eat right, but simply believed that she's a new man and trusted in Christ. Have a trust in Christ where in Christ has won her heart. Where she believed in the resurrection. She was here in our word school. She was listening to my teachings. I'm not saying me or dynamic love ministries. I'm just saying the message of the resurrection. The brand new man where Christ was raised from the dead. Where he conquered bodily weakness. Promised eternal life. Started to believe in that. And we find all of a sudden she's having the fruit of the spirit in her life. But I can tell you, if she goes back to her old way of belief, you will find that she starts to struggle with eating disorder again. You might say, well, didn't the Lord really set her free? God did really set her free. He actually conquered her death, conquered her sin, conquered everything. But what is happening, should she believe in what she believed when she was under that death, you will find that what she believes, she's actually killing herself. It's not God killing her. It's she killing herself. 
That's what's taking place. And that is why it's so important to have the gospel preached truly in its truth and believing it's in its truth. That is why it's so, so important. Here we clearly see that it is not, Paul is basically saying, when you live in the flesh, what the flesh produces in your life kills you. But when you live at a place where you are simply believing in the resurrection of Christ and what he has promised and you don't try to manifest any of his promises, but you simply say, he rules over my problem, you'll find his rule over your problem. He's, he's ruling over your problem. Uh, I've said this before and some people might be offended, but I, I want to use this clearly and it's a controversial thing, but let's use homosexuality for an example. You might say to me, well, Bertie, you know, uh, people are homosexual. They are born that way, and that is the way they're going to be forever. Let me tell you what I believe about this and what I believe the Scripture says about this. I believe that a person can be born homosexual. It is possible. If you can be born with uh, bad eyes, if you can be born without hearing, if you can be born with any physical shortcoming in your life, then you can also be born homosexual. But the truth is that Jesus Christ took a physical body, became or, or the physical Christ, he died and conquered all weaknesses in the flesh, was raised up and seated at the right hand of God. And as you believe that, although for some they don't even see it immediately, it doesn't matter. Just believe the truth. Like for me, I, I'm, I'm wearing glasses, and I, the reason I wear them is because I cannot see without them. I, or I cannot see properly without them. I should not drive without them. So forth. My eyesight's not that bad. I mean, I can still see the counter there and everything, but it's better to have the glasses. Now, would I say that's right? No. Do I believe there's healing for it? Yes. How will this healing take place? Well, if I could heal my own eyes, I would have, but I can't. Not even the doctor can heal my eye. He can just give me a medicine, but he cannot heal my eye. So does that mean that God has rejected me? No. All it means is that I, with the bad eyesight, have my belief in Christ and that he has promised me eternal life and even eyes that will never be able to see them or anything like that in the day of the resurrection. And I'm going to do nothing by my own power to get uh, what he has promised to manifest in my life. And that is the same for homosexuality or any sin. You might sit there, homosexual, addicted to pornography, whatever it is. I want to tell you, what, this, what the scripture says is, in the belief of the truth, as you believe this, Christ will now rule over that. We sometimes want to make it instant like this. But it doesn't always work like that. Even fine in the church that they believed in the Lord and certain things changed. And then Paul came and explained more to them in order for other things to change. So it doesn't mean that you are lost if you see a sin in your life. But what Paul is saying is things like, and this is what he mentions here, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, 
emulation. Those are all things that manifest in our lives in accordance to belief of works in the flesh. And he wants us to believe the correct thing. And this is the point that I want to make. And it's many scriptures to make this point. This is the point I want to make. If you read 1 Corinthians 15, verse 2, it says, We are saved by the gospel. Should we keep in memory the truth? What he's basically saying is this. It's not that God will not save you. What he's saying is, you shall be saved if you believe this truth. Because should you not believe this truth, you are destroying yourselves. It's not that God doesn't want to save you. It's not that God is not there for you. It's not that he has not given his son. It's not that his spirit is not there. It's simply, we can see it this way, it's like if you're drowning in the ocean and you get picked up by a chopper and you're in that chopper now, the helicopter, you shall be safe. In other words, you are being taken to the land as long as what you don't jump out of the helicopter. If you jump out of the helicopter, it is not the pilot that is killing you. It's not the pilot that is destroying you. And I want you to see how important belief is in our lives. And we're going to go to our notes to the next uh, passage there. I'm going to skip a lot of verses, but I want to go to... Um, you'll see in the notes there the medical beliefs through the ages and this I took from uh, the psychologist a website there it's volume 20 edition 6 talks about belief and illness talks about the effect that belief has on a person's life in recovering from sickness or taking tablets and so forth and what this basically says is um, if you read the whole article even with tablets the placebo effect is so big. What the placebo effect is, is the effect of believing that you'll be healed when you drink a tablet. It is so big that um, they have to trick people's belief to test the medicine. Because the belief has got such a powerful effect. So, and let us read this here and I'll, I'll give the conclusion. It says, Belief is a critical feature, or a critical feature of belief is the latent capacity to influence behavior. So it says belief has got a latent capacity to influence behavior and cognition, actually how you think and reason, and govern the way people think and act. According to Don 1987, belief is to be considered as the inner Cause, causes that provide for describing and predicting a person's behavior. So what he's saying is, is that what you believe will determine the outcome of how you live. Now, we are not saved by our belief. We're saved by the gospel. The gospel determines our outcome. But even without the gospel, just by your belief, it already determines your behavior. If you believe that there's a bomb in your house, it will determine your behavior. If you believe you have cancer, if you even if you don't have cancer, it will determine your behavior. You'll feel weak. You'll feel bad. You'll be depressed. You'll be every, just because of your belief. So I want to say what the Apostle Paul is saying is that salvation 
is something that is connected to, that's something that God gives. But as you believe the truth, this truth saves you. But there's also the effect of just believing the truth. If I believe that God has promised me an immortal body, then my life is going to change. I'm not going to try and get one myself. I spoke to, to Helena earlier today. Let's make it very practical. Greenpeace and um, saving the planet. You know, we go, we go and we say, well, we need to save the planet and we shouldn't eat meat anymore. We now only should eat vegetables. And then we start to realize that how the transportation of food is killing the world. And then we start to realize, oh my goodness, we, sh- we shouldn't transport. Now we should get battery trucks. And then you start to realize that the, uh, the effect on the plant to make the batteries is even bigger. And we start, all that we start to realize at the end of the day is that man cannot save nature. And that we need God. And the only solution to, that man has at the end of the day to save this world is to kill all people. We must just kill the human race. Then the world will be saved. And even if we do that, we make our calculations accurately, we're going to realize that this planet is not going to be saved, that in a billion years or whatever from now, the sun is going to explode and the whole planet is going to burn away anyway. And what we sit with at the end of the day is man cannot save anything and that we need a savior. <clears throat> the moment we realize the message of the resurrection and that Christ promised us that, we will we will have a heart of saving something, and I believe we will live a less of a wasteful life, but we will not try and find life by our works and try to uh, make ourselves the savior of the planet and in the process live with distress all the time. I've got a friend that, and, and this is very practical, tried to save the world and this nature by human actions on how to save on everything. Let us just recycle all the time. Let's do this all the time. And you know what? He got so depressed that he couldn't, it was difficult for him to live in this normal world. He couldn't drive anywhere without being depressed. He would always see a paper. Every car that drives past him would be an accusation. And the more he tries and the more people don't do it, the more discouraged he became. And what happened was you find the fruit of the flesh, that, that hatred, bitterness, and all this the resentment start to rise in his heart. Why? Because of a simple belief. The belief was we need to rule over this planet instead of saying Christ has promised a brand new planet and a restoration of this very one into immortality. And he's also promised me an immortal body. And one day he called me to his office, my friend, and he said to me, Come, uh, I want to see you. And he said to me, you preached on this resurrection and how God has promised even this earth to be renewed by him. And I was set free. And he is a brand new person. You can see it in his face, in his body, you can see how Christ has set him free. So the point that I want to make and the, the, that I want to make through all of this is belief influences you. What you believe 
influences you as well as the fact that you just simply believe something is very influential in your life. And when Paul talks about believing in vain, he's actually saying as long as what you believe the good news, you will find this good news shaping your life. But if you turn away unto another gospel, you will find that this gospel has not changed, God's heart has not changed, but you are now actually believing and having your life shaped by something else, and that is destructive. So, the good news in all of this, you must say badly, where's the good news? The good news in all of this is, it is not God deciding to kill you when you believe something wrong. It's not God deciding not to bless you when you believe something wrong. It's simply the dynamics of persuasion and the human heart as well as the, 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 the whole system of what you believe in when you are now engaging flesh to have eternal life. Let me end it off this way. If you have a dying body, and which all of us have in the natural, and we from a dying body want to preserve our bodies, what are we going to have? We're going to die. That's it. But if we, who have dying bodies, are not trying to preserve our own bodies by the power of a dying body, but we are beholding an immortal body, seated at the right hand of God, who has the know-how on how to conquer sin and all death in all people, and we rely upon him, what shall we have? We have then passed from death unto life. And we are not the old man which is dying anymore, but the new man who is living. And we keep our minds in that truth. Glory to God. Amen. So it's not for God. It is not God deciding who he will save. It is you deciding if you are partaking of a God that saves everybody. Hallelujah. That is how this works. Okay, let us read the two verses and uh, just conclude what we are saying. This is not a very nice topic to talk about. And I think it would not even have been mentioned by the Apostle Paul should people just have believed. It's not even part of the gospel. What I talked about today is not even the, the fact that you can believe and if you believe you're saved or if you don't believe you're not saved, that's not even part of the gospel. But it is something that is relevant and that we need to hear in the church today. And it is so relevant that the Apostle Paul mentioned this and he clearly said in First Corinthians here that this gospel works as you are persuaded of this truth. Amen. Sorry, man, I've, I've lost the place here. I just want to go back to um, verse, verse 1 and 2. It says here in verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, the good news that Jesus was bodily raised from the dead, and that he is now the ruler over the earth, which I preached unto you, which you received wherein you are standing, by which you are saved. Look at the good news. You're not saved by your works. You're saved by the fact that Jesus is the Lord. If you keep in memory what I preach unto you, unless you have believed in vain. Remember 1 Corinthians, uh, Galatians 3? It says, if you go back to the law, not believing in this truth, you've believed in vain. And the grace of God, you're not under the influential power of God. Grace is not God deciding to be gracious to you. He's always deciding to be gracious to you or merciful towards you. But... You're not under that influence anymore. 
If I don't believe in my wife anymore, then I'm not under her influence anymore. Although she wants to influence me. I've, I've seen it with people here going through divorce. The man doesn't believe in his wife. Although she's such a good wife, loving him, he doesn't believe in her. He believes lies about himself. And he doesn't believe what she's telling him. And as he doesn't believe in that, although she loves him with all her heart, his heart is not under her influence, but under the influence of what his friends say, and this person say, and that person say. And that's how it works with the gospel. And that's what I want to tell you today. Go and think about this. Go and pray about it. Scripture is full of this. Paul wants the church to continue to believe the gospel. That's why he wrote all the letters. So they would continue in the simple gospel. Amen. So I want to encourage you. You are saved by the gospel. Just keep in memory that Jesus was raised from the dead. And that his resurrection. Through that he rules over your sin and death. And you just trust him. That is it. And keep believing that. Don't add anything. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father I want to thank you so much. That I can pray for people today. Thank you Father that you have come. To share with us the importance of continuing in the truth. And thank you that our hearts are geared towards the truth and continuing to believe that. Thank you for your love, O oh God, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen.